You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm your host, Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to change your own life. Today, we, I have the pleasure of having my second interview with Dr. Stephen Hall. Our previous interview, um, which was my last episode that was released, is, was called Tune Into Your Inner Wisdom to Heal. And we had a fascinating conversation about how our beliefs, both conscious and subconscious, determine what happens in our body and then whether we have health conditions or not. And I wanted to talk to Dr. Hall a little bit further because I know so many people, including myself, who struggle with chronic health conditions and also depression and anxiety and really truly becoming happy are so dependent on our physical health. And Dr. Hall practices what is called what he calls integral medicine, where he draws upon conventional medicine and wisdom about healing from all traditions all over the world. And he, what he does is to treat the root cause of the health to resolve your problems, not just the symptoms. So it's a super fascinating approach, both conventional and alternative medicines, and also spiritual approach. Dr. Hall is the author of a few books, one of them including, which is The Seven Tools of Healing, Unlock Your Inner Wisdom, and The Life Your Soul Desires. So Dr. Hall, welcome back. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thanks for having me back. Yes, I'm, I, uh, I learned a lot from the la- your last interview, and I think you have some really such an interesting approach that lots of people are not taking. And it's so aligned with everything I'm learning about how the power of our beliefs shapes everything that we, we live from. And so I'm really curious to learn more about how our beliefs impact our health. So, you know, I usually start with the question of, you know, what superpower did you discover when you uh, mastered your mind? But you answered that in our previous one. So what I want to just ask you this time is to, can you just basically summarize for people how you believe, you know, our health is impacted by our beliefs? Okay. Um so I, I start with the idea that a symptom is a clue that something somewhere in the system of who you are is out of balance. And, and the symptom is basically a call to, you know, try to get your attention to get things back into balance. Now, the imbalance can be biochemical, it could be in your body, or it could be in your energy, or it could be in your mind and your belief structure. And, and I would say from the work I do in my office, far and away, the most common imbalances I see are what I call belief imbalances, where the actual, there's somebody formed a, a limiting belief somewhere along the line in their life, and, and that's showing up as symptoms in their body, 
uh, as disease patterns, that sort of thing, and and also symptoms in their mental health. So the anxiety, depression, uh, addictions, issues like that. So um, my interest has in been getting people getting to the very root cause, and I kind of went through the same evolution most doctors do. You know, <clears throat> trying to, you know, do you need medications? Do you need supplements? Do you need to change your diet? Um, and a lot of those things didn't actually get to the root cause for people. And, and then I learned years and years ago how to help people start connecting with their own deep knowing. Because there's a knowing that's running your body. And it's keeping all your, like your sodium and potassium levels within a certain range. It's monitoring your joint positions, your skin temperature, running your immune system. I mean, there's quite a bit going on inside, as you can imagine. And, and it's that wisdom that detects the imbalances and then sets off the alarms in the, in the form of symptoms to, to get your attention. And um, so trying to trace them back to the roots, it basically got back to uh, people's beliefs uh, as, as the root for most of their problems. And um, as I started seeing that beliefs have two main jobs, I don't know if we don't remember if we talked about that last time, but I don't believe we did. So go ahead, please. So the first belief that, or the first job that beliefs form is, is they're literally the lenses that we peer through to see the world. And so our beliefs, which make up our worldview, literally uh, form what we would call our reality. And, and that's why you and a friend can go and watch the same movie with the same photons going in your eyes and the same sound waves vibrating your eardrums, but have completely different reactions to the movie. Um, because y'all have your own different, your own unique lenses that the sensory information passes through. Um, and, but the second thing beliefs do, which I think is more important for health, is that they literally are the gatekeepers for what you are able to create, uh, not just in your life, but actually as your life. And, and we've known that for centuries. That's why Goethe said, you know, man is as he believes, as he believes, so he is. And obviously, I think that's true for women, too. And um, so, so finding and changing these limiting beliefs, you know, beliefs that tell us that we're smaller than we really are, um, and freeing ourselves to continue to grow uh, is, has, has helped more of my patients with chronic illness than anything I learned in medical school. That's fascinating. And, and I just have not heard anybody talk about this before. So, um, well, and that's, and that's really interesting. You make that observation because, um, after years of helping people connect with their own knowing and saying, okay, knowing what would you suggest this person do to solve the problems in their life? And then, and just watching what the inner wisdom would recommend. I know. And then I started looking out at the self-help industry. You know, there's all these, uh, you know, people out there running workshops and writing books and, and, and all this sort of thing. And I look at the advice they give and I look at the advice the inner wisdom gives and they weren't at all the same. And I thought, huh, this is really strange. There's a big disconnect here. And, and that's what prompted me to write that book, The Seven Tools of Healing, is because I, I wanted to try to fill in that gap, fill in like, you know, 
the people I, I see patients all the time that have been working on themselves for years, even decades, and they've done all kinds of different treatments. They've taken all kinds of seminars, read all kinds of books, and they're still essentially dealing with the same issues <laughs> that they were 20 years ago. And, and to me, that says something's wrong, that there's something wrong with how we change. And it's, it's just not working for most people. And that's, I think, the problem that I was able to solve and that I put forth in that book. That's lovely. And I'm going to ask you some more questions about that um, and go into this. Because um, I'm very curious about, especially in the, you know, in the context of healing, how connecting with our own knowing can allow us to uncover the beliefs that are getting in the way of our healing. So, I mean, that's fascinating. Before we go to a break, can you tell people where they can learn more about you and your work? Okay. Well, the best place is, um, there's two places now, a website uh, called www.the7tools.com. And it's the number seven. And, um, and there we have lots of free content, uh, you know, exercises to learn how to listen to your body. Uh, there's classes that we teach. Right now, the best way we have for really learning the seven tools and immersing yourself in the seven tools is, is taking a class we call Taming the Bear. But I also just got a position on uh, mindbodyradio.com. It's an internet radio show. And uh, once a week, Tuesday mornings, I have a half hour slot going to be talking about, it's called Change for Good, how to make lasting improvements in your life. So that resource will be available too. We've already done one, one program so far. That's awesome. And, and if I can ask a silly question, uh, if it's um, a radio program, is it, can you only hear it on Tuesday mornings or is it something that will be recorded and we can call up to listen to later? Yes, it's recorded. Evidently, they they, pers- they professionally edit it, so it's usually a couple day lag between between the time the uh, radio show airs and the time it shows up on the uh, website. But it'll be um, archived on the website. Great, perfect. Change for good. Yes, great. Definitely check that out and hang on. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back and talk a little bit more about how to uncover the beliefs that block your healing. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking to Dr. Stephen Hall. Where I want to go now is there's this huge um, 
advantage now of knowing at least that there's functional medicine where functional medicine is starting to look at what is going wrong in your body that's causing this, you know, your symptoms and trying to address that with diet, with supplements, sometimes with medicines too, but with, with lifestyle changes. And it sounds like you take it then a step further and also then work with people to look at their beliefs. So let's say you have somebody who comes to you and they've been dealing with an autoimmune issue or, you know, gut issue or something for years. And they're even doing the other alternative. They've changed their diet. Where do you start with them? What do you do? Okay. Well, you're right. So I, I actually really like functional medicine as a way to uh, support the physical body. Um, the main issue people have is, um, is what's called adherence or compliance where, you know, they know what to eat, they know how to exercise, but they just can't get themselves to do it on a, in a sustainable way. And, and so addressing that is something that I help people with. Um, but I also have a lot of patients that are incredibly good at eating well and exercising, and they're still really sick and tired. They still don't feel well. And so at that point, that's when I say, well, let's, you know, this is your body's still talking to you. Let's see if we can just listen directly to your body. So um, for that, I generally use a, a form of hands-on body work called craniosacral therapy, and, which I've been doing. I started studying at 91, so it's been a few years. And, um, and with that, we can really listen to the body. So uh, I have them uh, like lay down on the table, get centered, uh, take a few uh, slow breaths, and then just ask their body, okay, I'm here, I'm listening. Is there anything you want to say? And we can literally dialogue with whatever's going on. So I've had people dialogue with their fatigue, with their depression, with their anxiety, with their tumors, with their knee pain, back pain, headaches. Um, and, and then it's kind of go from there. But the strategy is to really hear the body side of the story. Because so many of our therapies go in and just try to shut the body up, mm -hmm. try to make the pain go away or make the problem go away. And we never actually hear what it is trying to say to us. Uh, but I found by listening, uh, we can often get to the root of like, what, what is the real imbalance? What really needs to happen here? And so quite often <clears throat> the person is led to a belief that they formed often during those formative years, you know, in their first seven years, um, and they're usually along the lines of, I, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve fill in the blank, um, whatever, you know. And as you can imagine, from a spiritual perspective, those beliefs are not true. I mean, we're all equally deserving of kindness and compassion and, and being heard. And, and when people can start to actually offer that to themselves, that's when things really start to change. When they can really just listen to their body in an open-hearted way and say, I really want to help, just, just tell me what you need. Um, it's really different than going in and just trying to annihilate the headache or annihilate the, uh, whatever the problem is. 
So that's generally how I like to proceed is to get people to really start listening uh, to their, what their symptoms are trying to say. Okay. So for example, then if you've got somebody and I've got this in my family with autoimmune issues to the point where they can't eat anything pretty much like every, all food bothers them. Yeah, they react no matter what it is. No right? matter react, pretty much yeah. no matter what it is. And that's not sustainable because you have to eat, right? Right. <laughs> um, so and then they'll listen to the body and say, Tell me what you need. What kind of stuff comes up? And I'm asking you just specifically because I find examples so helpful of okay. like what kind of beliefs do come up? What does the body need? Well, you know, and I've, I've worked with people that react to everything. And obviously, we've done all the food allergy testing. We've done all the leaky gut testing and treating. And, and, and they're still not good. And um, a lot of times, those people will have an unconscious belief that the world is this toxic, dangerous place. And, you know, and that's, a, that's kind of a rational belief nowadays with all the pesticides and herbicides. Um, but you can imagine what it's like to the body to live with that uh, all the time and not trusting your hardiness and not trusting your ability to detox. And, and um, so oftentimes it boils down to uh, a safety issue for those people. And, and how do you feel safe when you're living on a planet with no guarantees? And, and I find that's a really important issue for a lot of people because as you may know, Maslow made that the second need in this hierarchy of needs. And most of us just skip over it. We, we just don't even think about it. So most of us forget our, our sense of safety is actually an illusion. And, um, and that's not really good enough to build a real meaningful life and, and deep intimate relationships and all the other higher, higher needs that need to be built on that platform. So, <clears throat> So a person really has to answer that question for themselves, and, and, and that's what I help them do. But, um, but yeah, rea- rejecting foods, because when you think about it, when you eat, that's how you take the outside world and take it into yourself and make it part of yourself. And if that's all toxic and poisonous and unsafe, you can just imagine how the body's going to reject that. So that... Without knowing your relatives, I don't know for sure. That's just a common theme I see in that particular kind of setting. Right. They'll appreciate me throwing them under the bus and putting them out there. <laughs> it's, I know lots of people who are, it's, it's, it's very common now. Um, so I guess the safety issue, and you know what? The thing that's so funny is my whole life, and I've said this before on previous interviews, my issue for many, many years, which is what brought me into, into being coaching and doing all of this, was, I was anxiety. I didn't feel that I was so scared of people dying all the time. Yeah. So when you ask the question, how do you feel safe living on a planet, planet with no guarantees? How do you answer that question? <laughs> well, yeah. So I got thinking about this one time. I thought, well, you know, if if evolution were correct, you know, one of the things of evolution is that you adapt to your environment, right? Mm-hmm. And the only constant in our life is change. And, and so if we were really 
uh, product of evolution, we should be well adapted to change. And, and most of us aren't. We go into change kicking and fighting usually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it's stressful to, for change. So um, so I thought, well, is this, this is kind of weird that we're, on one hand, we're hardwired to need to feel safe. And on the other hand, we're in this, living on this planet with no guarantees. So I thought, well, either God has a kind of a sick sense of humor or there's something deeper going on. And I kind of like to think God doesn't have a sick sense of humor. So right. <laughs> I looked at, well, what, what could be going on that's, that's deeper? And, and when I asked the question, okay, well, where do you find your sense of safety then if it's not found in, in how much you can put in your bank account or the job that you have or, you know, I mean, up here in the Northwest, no matter what we do, Mount Rainier could pop off at any time. You know, I mean, there's, there's just like no guarantees. And, um, and what I realized is that it, your sense of safety comes from your own personal direct connection with what you would consider spirit, with the, that, that consciousness that's greater than you. And, and the beauty of that whole system is you have to have a real meaningful connection with spirit um, in order to feel safe. Like no matter what happens down here on the planet, your soul's not hurt, not harmed. That's, that's where that leads to. <clears throat> and then you have that connection with spirit then to take into finding meaningful work in the world, finding intimate relationships, finding self-actualization, you know, the, the next levels up in the, and then if you skip over that step, <clears throat> then you don't have that deep spiritual connection when you start to make those other parts of your life. So once I saw that, I thought, oh, this is really actually a pretty great system to, um, you know, and it's got to be more than lip service. You can't build a castle on a cloud. You, you have to have a strong, deep personal relationship with whatever you conceive of as spirit <clears throat> for you. And, and I find that a person's own deep inner wisdom has all the characteristics that we normally attribute to God or to spirit or to um, Buddha nature, you know, there's, there's different names for it all over the world. And, um, and so connecting with that deep inner wisdom helps to give you that confidence that you need, that uh, sense that you're okay, no matter what's happening around you. Right. Yes. And so many of my pay, of my clients, what I'm working with is really comes down to no matter what the challenge is, whether it's with work or a relationship is, is, that trust that I'm okay no matter what happens. Like that, yeah. that is really what, what I'm helping people to do, no matter what it is. So that's, it's interesting. So, yeah, because all trust boils down to trusting yourself. Yeah. Right, yeah. So good work. Yeah. Right, yeah, well, yeah, you too. And I love it that no matter what happens on the planet, your soul is not hurt. Right. Like that's, that's, if we all knew that, how great would that be? Yeah. <laughs> so and, and believed it. <laughs> yeah, I like really truly believed it. So so then I guess what I want to do is you've got these seven tools and we don't have a ton of time. But so you've got somebody who comes in and just to continue with the same issue because I can understand it and where you can, you know, there there is apparently this safety issue. Mm -hmm. Not, um, 
oh, sorry, here we go. I've got lots going on. Um, that we don't know um, that we feel safe. So what do we do? And we're like, okay, we need to develop safety. How do you take them through those seven tools? Okay, so, yeah, so the first tool is actually um, deepening your strength in what you believe. And, and so you get to choose what to believe with the right practices. And, and so I say, well, why not choose then to believe what helps you the most? So once you decide what to believe, then you can, through repetition and, and continuing to reinforce them in your mind, you can make your faith in those beliefs stronger and stronger. And it turns out the, the more strongly you believe something, the easier it is to manifest that belief. And, you know, life coaches have been teaching that concept for years and years. And, and so then you have to pay attention because you're constantly showing yourself who you are in the, in the choices that you make and the words that you use and the feelings that you're feeling. So, so you start paying attention to what's going on inside yourself, going on outside yourself. And, and that's often called mindfulness, you know, the practice of mindfulness, the practice of awareness. Um, but then this is where it starts to develop, um, you know, separate from a lot of other advice. And what the inner wisdom says is once you become aware of whatever your truth is in the moment, you have to acknowledge it and really allow it. Just let it be. You don't have to jump in and try to fix it. And, and that's the third tool, which is acknowledge or surrender or, or just, you know, admit to yourself, mm -hmm. yeah, this is my truth. And then the third, the fourth step, which is, this is what changes everything is people's inner wisdom keep saying, okay, well then just be kind to yourself about that. Just get off your case about that. Give yourself a hug. And, and so I call that step compassion. And, and so the, those, those tools, um, they're that tools two, three, and four, the awareness, the acceptance, compassion are basically the workhorse for this process of change. So you become aware of your truth in the moment, you acknowledge. So, so that undoes like repression, denial, rationalizations, all those Freudian things we do to our truth that warp it out of shape. And, and then we just be kind to ourselves. And, and what happens, and this is sort of the, the miracle, is that the kindness goes in and works any change that needs to happen. So you don't have to get in there with your ego mind and try to make your feelings change or, or make, you know, your food choices change, that kind of thing. You just see what you're doing and be kind to yourself. And then the kindness will work the change. And, and I'd have to say that self-compassion is, is probably the only thing I've ever seen actually heal someone in my, like now about 35 years of practice. Wow. So that's, does. And then the rest, the rest of the tools sort of follow from bringing enough compassion to the moment. Cause then if any, for anything needs to be forgiven, the forgiveness just happens. Um, that's the fifth tool. Gratitude. Just, you know, once you sort of see the gift that's, that's hidden in every moment and you're able to receive that gift, it's just the sense of awe and thankfulness comes over you. So that's the gratitude. And then right action is the seventh tool, which is just, you know, how do you act so that you get the highest results? And, and you really need your own inner wisdom to answer that question because you never really know what results you're going to get from whatever action you choose, um, for sure. You know, there's a chaos theory and all that stuff in the way. And, 
Um, so right actions based on right understanding and your inner wisdom can help you arrive at right understanding. So that in a nutshell is how those tools all work together. Okay. So how, so just begin because examples help me. Okay. So what kind of belief or thought do you see that comes up with people who are dealing with these chronic conditions that okay. they would then need to give, you know, acknowledge and give themselves compassion to? So I think the first belief is to believe that you get to choose your beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a good place to start. And, and then to choose to believe that who you are in your heart of hearts is enough. You don't need to be more than that. And, and then to believe that you deserve it, that you're worth it, um, that it's okay to be happy, that it's okay to have abundance, that it's okay to be healthy. And, and, and just believing that healing is possible is an important belief for a lot of people because, you know, especially with chronic illness and you've already tried a dozen things, you might start to give up. Right. And, so can I stop you right there? Because that's exactly where lots of people are. Mm-hmm. So they've done a trillion things. So, right, they become aware of this belief that, wow, I don't even believe that healing's possible anymore. Like, I'm giving up. There's, the healing's not possible. So they acknowledge that that's what they believe. And then, then, then where, where, what happens then? <laughs> then they just put their arms around themselves and give themselves a hug about that. Or, or another image is just try to imagine opening their heart space enough they can wrap themselves in their own heart space. Uh, so whatever image helps, but but yeah, that's a that's a hard place to be in, mm-hmm. and and it was a lot of hard um, experiences that led them to that conclusion, and and all that's definitely worthy of compassion and kindness, and and so just however much they can to just be kind to themselves that they've come to that place. And, and that's kind of where the faith comes in is just having faith that if they do that, then things will start to shift because the kindness will work to change. Cause whatever you do to get in there with your ego mind and try to force it to change generally backfires. It, it, well, it doesn't usually is, work. Which is where I went because that's me. Like, mm-hmm. well, so how do you change that belief? <laughs> yeah. So what you do is you just try to, you know, you acknowledge, yep, I'm, my truth right now is that I've formed this belief and I'm just going to be kind to myself about that. And you don't try to change it or talk yourself out of it or form a different belief. Because you remember that saying what you resist persists. And, and it's that if you really start to watch how consciousness works, how consciousness manifests in the, in the material world, whatever you focus on is what you're creating. And, and so focusing on that belief, you're going to just keep creating it. And, um, and anything you do to try to change it is in a way sort of denying it and repressing it. And denial and repression are forms of attention. So you basically keep creating whatever you're denying or repressing. So, so the real key is full, 100% raw acceptance. And, and that's really hard for us to do because we all want to get in there and fix stuff. Yeah, I'm like, I'm kicking and screaming inside my head right here. 
yeah, I know it's taken me years and, but, but it's watching my patients and the ones that were able to do it really had the transformations and going, wow, this, this is powerful. If, if people are able to, to actually fully admit to themselves, yep, this is what's happening to me right now. And I'm just going to be kind to myself about it. So what that does is you admit your truth, but then you, you don't keep focusing on your truth because if you do, you'll keep creating it. What you do is you focus on being kind to yourself that that's your truth. And so then what you're creating is more kindness. Mm. And so the next moment of your life that unfolds is a little bit kinder than the previous moment was. And you go through the process again. You see your truth in that moment. And you say, yep, that's my truth. And then oh, I'm going to be kind to myself about that. And then the next moment that unfolds is a little bit kinder than that one. And, and it's sort of like turning a battleship, you know, or you just make these small little incremental changes, but pretty soon you're steaming off in a whole different direction in your life. That's and, but, cool. But kindness is what made the change. Because if you get in there and try to change it with your ego mind, then, then that's resistance, that's denial, that's repression. Can you, can you feel it in your body? Can you feel the difference when you go in and try to fix something versus you just sit in an open-hearted space with it? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because I, you know, what I, one of the things I do is talk to people about accepting the situation, that this is where you are. I mean, that is part of the step of it too and not stopping, not fighting against it anymore. Right. Like this is where you are. Like you just get so much energy back right there. But it's the next step where most self-help things fall on their face. And that's where they, okay, now we got to go fix it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm, I can feel the energetic difference in the kindness and trying to fix it. I'm going to have to be kind to myself that I, <laughs> that I want to fix it. But that's our society. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why so many people in our society are so sick. And right. we have such a hard time getting better now. Um, is we're just so entrenched in that ego because what our ego wants, it really wants. <laughs> yeah. it's, a it's a powerful want. You know, we want out of pain. We want to have our functioning body back. And, and that's okay. Of course we want that. But how do you really get there? And, and through practicing these seven tools, as I've, I've seen, that, that's the best way I've come up with so far to, to help people really get there. Yeah not just put a band-aid on it and that will fall off later, you know? Yeah. Boy, that's powerful. Okay. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, please, can you remind people where they can learn more about you? And I'm assuming you do work, you do work with people um, remotely or you're just your, you have your books. What do you do if people don't live in Washington? Um, well, actually, my daughter is a therapist, and she's been trained in the seven tools, and she does um, remote coaching with people. Okay. Um, and her name is Grace Porter, and you can find her on that seven tools website. Um, I am still in private practice in Issaquah, Washington. Um, I don't really do a lot of phone consults. I do some. Um, but the best way is to take the, take the seven tool or the Taming the Bear class, um, which you can sign up for. And we've got a new class coming out soon about how to teach your children to be healthy with their feelings based on these principles. And, um, and then, of course, the radio show, the mindbodyradio.com, 
and it's called Change for Good is my show on that. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Hall, for coming back and and going deeper into some of this. I think it's super helpful. You're welcome. Thank you, Kristen. And let me know if you have any questions when you you try to fix your fix-it mode. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, thank you for being here. And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world. It's in your heart. Thank you. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 